Express this week, uh, we've come out and about uh, for our, uh, one of our profile guests on the show this week. We're with uh, Kristen uh, from the ancient, uh, from Butts Ancient Farm at that, and uh, off just off the A3. I'll uh, we'll give you details how to find that very soon. But uh, Kristen, hello, thanks for letting us come up here today. Oh, you're welcome. We picked the coldest day, we really, to be fair. But also the sunshine. The sun's come out as we started this, which is nice. Yeah, uh, we had it on order. Did you? Yep. Thank you, Ashley, for that. I appreciate that. But yeah, it's uh, it's very cold. Very, but I have to say, the scenery here—you're very lucky because we're just surrounded mm. by fields, aren't we? Really. Mm. There's nothing better actually than a kind of a frosty roundhouse with kind of the smoke rising out through the thatch. Yeah. So you know that it's warm and cozy inside, and yeah, the lovely landscape. It is. It's nestled quite nicely into the hills. Isn't it just? Yeah. Mm. And and this is—I mean, it's just. How many acres you got here, just to set the scene for our oh, listeners? Oh, now you're asking. There's a question for um, you. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I can work in acres. <laughs> There's a lot of land here. Some, that la- way. some land, yeah. yeah. And a, a big timeline through history. So. Yeah. And that's, the, I mean, this has been going now for just over, as old as me, actually, 50 years. <laughs> yeah. So me and Butts have a lot in common here. But, I mean, it's just because it's, it's not where it started, is it? No, we where started we on another site in Butts Hill. Um, yeah. where we had a, an Iron Age. Uh, Peter Reynolds, the guy that started Butzer, he was a very keen experimental archaeologist and he built an Iron Age, uh, small Iron Age village and, and small holding with a, with a few animals to look at how we might have farmed back in the day. And about 20 years ago, we moved to... Uh, he's having some fun. He is. We, uh, we moved uh, to this site because we wanted to expand our timeline. So we've taken the timeline. We started, obviously, in the Iron Age. We've gone right back through the Bronze Age to the Stone Age. We've got a big Stone Age longhouse we'll get to. Yeah. And then we've come forward in time. We've got our Roman villa and our, our Saxon houses. So coming here enabled us to be able to spread the timeline of Butzer and help us better understand no. our place in so history. So all these buildings here then were literally picked up and moved to this site. Ah, oh, no. That would be oh, clever, wouldn't it? I was going to say, no. I thought you were going to say brick by brick. I, my... <laughs> yeah, po- round, post by post. Yeah. Um, no, so everything here is based on some real archaeology that's been found around the country. Right. So these lovely Saxon houses behind us were found just over the hills in Chelton. Okay. Um, and we've recreated them, so not far from where they were originally excavated, but we've uh, we've rebuilt them based on what was found in the ground right. by the archaeologists. So there's a connection in some shape or yeah, form. Yeah, we've got yeah. some houses from Glastonbury, we've got some from Wales, we've got some from all over the country. But what we did is we looked at what was found by the archaeologists in the ground. We took those blueprints and then we re- we built the houses here based on what they found, knowing the tools and techniques that we would have had to recreate to our best abilities what we think they might have looked like when they rose from the ground. Okay, so there's a lot of research goes into all this, mm. yeah, and to to get it absolutely spot on as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, to the best of our guests, like nobody well, knows. The, see, this is the thing. There was no maps or nothing like that then, was there? No, as such? and that's the beauty of experimental archaeology. We do to our, the best of our abilities what this might have looked like, but it may not have looked like that. It may no. they may have used a different material. It may have had a different use when it actually was in. So what you're saying, Chris? And you're winging it. We're winging it. <laughs> well, we're experimenting. Uh, there's a lovely story about how. Um, in the early days of uh, drawing roundhouses, yeah. you'll see in the old literature, all the roundhouses had holes in the roofs because they thought, we definitely know there was a fire in the middle. Yeah. We definitely know this was a dwelling because there's post holes. Um, so where would the smoke have gone? So people originally thought that there was a hole in the top where the smoke would draw out and the, the house wouldn't be too smoky. Peter Reynolds didn't agree with that. So what he did is he built a roundhouse with a hole in the middle. And what we found is the, the hole pulled the fire up too quickly the sparks hit the roof 
and the roof set on fire. So you'd be very quick to burn down your roundhouse if it had a hole in the middle. Mm. But you'll see all of ours are closed. And what the experiments told us when we were winging it was that when the smoke filtered out through the roofs, well, one, you could smoke your food up there, which was great to preserve the food. Two, it kept the insects away, which stops the birds pecking away at the thatch and stops you losing your roof. And three, it just keeps everything exactly as you'd want it. So roundhouses uh, survive longer, don't burn down yeah. when they haven't got... And that's what Butzer's experimental archaeology found, things like that, that we've we've tried it and we've proven that this must have been the way it happened. Yeah, yeah. So you, you are guessing it, yeah. Literally. We are guessing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exact. And all these houses are built in different ways with different materials. Wow. We look how long they stand for. We look at when they when they do go away, what that shows us in the ground. Does that line up with what the archaeologist originally found? So there's a lot of research that goes on to making this happen. Right. Okay. Now you were telling me before we started here, you've only mm. been here a year. year. Yeah. So how did stop. you how did you get here? <laughs> Uh, well, I've had a I've had a passion for what it is we do. I'm very interested in archaeology. I'm very interested in the natural world, in ancient uh, folklore, in yeah. herbs, everything that kind of butts up brings together. Uh, I was interested in, but I had a very different background. I was marketing and events and really mm, something completely different, different and data and analytics and technology. Oh, I mean, yeah. Ugh, yeah. horrible, yeah. very different. But I used to come here. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I used that. to come here. Um, in my weekends and I would feel at one at peace and in nature and all those things I was connected with and I go back to that horrible office where I'd have to sit and, and yeah. do all the data and, and spreadsheets thought, and think mm-mm nah, that's yeah. not for me this is for me this, this is the place is, to be yeah just to completely yeah. chill out and we find a lot of people come when they come here they come here for their own kind of well-being and well I mean you say that because I mean we, we've wandered around here today and it, and it is a sense of you know you feel relaxed don't you because mm. it's calming you've got the nice scenery as well and mm. uh, well there's great thankfully blue skies <laughs> um, but it um, is a butter. Is it? Yeah, is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, yeah. 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 different climate on this side of the hill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought so. But uh, it is, isn't it? And that, that's good for people's well-being too. Mm. Uh, and in terms of volunteers and people involved with the ancient, uh, actual ancient farm, how many have you really got in here? Oh, gosh, we've got hundreds of volunteers that are involved. And there's so many different ways to be involved with Butzer. So we have people maybe working on our textile side of things or people working on our woodworking. Or There's lots of different ways that you can come and be involved or you can come and help me with the events. There's lots of different teams that we have that come and just and just find their niche at Butzer. And that's what we want. We want to give people around the local community the opportunity to come here, learn new things, find connections, make connections with people and find their place. Yeah, and I'm guessing that, uh, as you said, they're getting local people involved as well. Mm. Uh, complete novices that have had no experience of any of this before. Yeah, perhaps. absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. People that are just willing to give their time and, and be part of what we're making here are, are always welcome. And we like people to, to learn the skills. We like to pass on the knowledge and pass on the, the things that we've learned. Yeah. We're going to wander around. Yeah. All right. And uh, where are we going first, uh, Chris? You lead the way. because well, We uh, are going. So this is uh, Midwinter's Magical Quest. Right. Okay. So this is, we're going away from the archaeology here. We're going into whimsy and folklore and magic and yeah. all those fun things. So what I wanted to do was to be able to open the farm. We weren't normally open at winter. Last year we opened for the first year. And I wanted to open the farm for, for local families to come and experience kind of the magic of the folklore of winter. So Midwinter's Magical Quest, we're on a quest... Um, and it's quite appropriate you would say midwinter really because it's a bit of a chilly day so actually it's exactly quite fitting that. isn't it and we actually do know that our ancestors would have celebrated this time of year so things like Stonehenge and Newgrange are all aligned yes. with the winter solstice which is on the 21st or the 22nd of December which is the shortest day yes. and the longest night and we know that our ancestors would have celebrated that well they found that date important is what we know 
It's funny you say it because wandering around here, I'm thinking I, I had druids in my mind mm. and paganism and that kind of. Mm. Is, that, is that sort of yeah, that's, that's roughly what's on. going on here? Well, no. Well, we, well, no. It, what we like to do is have a think about what people, what we know people did. So we know that the solstice is important, but the solstice is also important for for pagans and druids, and that has been adopted by those. That's 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 part of their belief system. But we are. Um, sort of belief agnostic what we know is that the solstice is important and what we wanted to do was just bring back some of the folklore that has inspired some people that uh, that that celebrate these kind of occasions so you're just embracing everything really aren't you we are but it's more about just um kind of reconnecting with nature reconnecting with the past reconnecting with our ancestors sitting around a fire together making things chatting just slowing down basically in this kind of crazy commercialized yes part of the and year we need that i think we don't you? do we do need that let's go have a wander then let's so where are we it. going first so this is the evergreen right. hall of the holly king i'm going to follow you yeah so um, and uh, we, we've met him already trying to find you this afternoon <laughs> <laughs> was i hiding in one you were houses? hiding apparently mm. you were you were wandering off with mince pies and I disappeared was. into the ether somewhere and we found <laughs> you um so tell us a little bit about this structure so this is uh, our newest Saxon hall. Again, it's one of the ones that was found over in Chelton. So it's standing not far from so where it originally So this is very local, then, isn't it? This is very. This is our most local archaeology on site, um, and it's a beautiful structure. Um, it's been made by our tree right, who's who sort of lives over there in that tree right's cabin, and he's very skilled. So it was made by ancient techniques that we know that people would have had and with the tools and techniques that they had at their disposal mm. to recreate what a Saxon dwelling would have looked like in this it's, part of the country. And it's so detailed. Well, some of the thatching, I mean, you see it in a lot of uh, houses out, mm. in, you know, out in the countryside as well, but the thatching as well, I mean, it's quite detailed, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite um, a skill itself. It's every, everything. If you if you get into all the details, there's so many different types of skill around and on display. The thatching, the woodwork, the way you make the joins with the little woods. The more you look, the more you see, basically. Of, yeah. of how it's all come together. And that's quite important to keep these skills too, isn't it? Exactly. Because we are losing skills like this, aren't we? Yeah, heritage crafts are having a real a real challenge to keep them alive. So we'll get to the, the uh, little Woodbury soon, but like even corn dolly making, the smallest crafts are losing the, uh, losing the knowledge. And that's part of what we want to do here is take heritage crafts and pass on that knowledge so that those things can stay alive. Yeah, yeah, it's most important. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do then. We'll, um, we'll pop back to the studio, have a bit of music, and, and then come back and, and chat some more, if that's all right, Kristen. Lovely. All right, and uh, we'll come back in a second or so here on Express this week out and about uh, uh, for this week's show it's about uh, Ancient Farm where do we find ourselves now Chris and just refresh our memories so we have just entered the evergreen hall of the Holly King yes so the Holly King is an amazing character he's not totally ancient actually the Holly King the Holly King's a bit of a, a medieval bit of folklore um, and uh, in literature it's understood that people thought there was an Oak King who was in charge of the summer yes. and his brother the Holly King was in charge of the winter so he reigns over the colder winter months and when it comes to spring the Oak King and the Holly King have a battle and the Oak King will then be triumphant and he'll reign over the summer months so again it's just about that kind of cycle of life the the cold the warm the summer the winter and just sort of celebrating that balance so we've brought the holly king to life and he's here inviting people to make evergreen crowns to remind them of the hope of spring and we know again through literature that people would have brought evergreens into their houses for quite a long time uh, to symbolise the hope and renewal and that warmer days were coming in the, in the dark and cold of winter. Yeah. So this is all about hope 
and looking forward to the warmer months. Yeah, and it's lovely and warm. Proper fire, open fire. Mm, <laughs> and you can imagine, yeah, something nice yes, bubbling absolutely. here, nice yeah. stew bubbling, ready to eat for dinner. And and there's a lot of detail into this. What you were saying a little bit earlier, Kristen, a lot of detail has mm. gone into to recreating all this. Yeah, I mean, the detail is really important to us. So what we want to do to our best, to our best ability and knowledge knowledge, is recreate the crafts that we knew they had, the skills that we we knew they had, how dwellings might have looked to the people that lived in these back in in Saxon times. Yeah, and it's it's just brilliant that you're able to do this. Mm. Well, the reason we can do it is that we have a lot of people who uh, volunteer their time and volunteer their knowledge. It comes back to volunteers, doesn't yeah. it, always? Yeah. That's, that's how these places need to run. And as you said earlier, preserving their skills as well, because we are losing them. So, I mean, something like this really is, uh, is great. Yeah. yeah, and every new build we have, we ask our volunteers to come on and they may have no experience and are, again, the, the, the master tree, right, will teach people exactly how to do things and they can learn those skills and get hands-on. It's so rare these days that you get the chance to make something with your hands and the satisfaction people get from that and the ability to kind of come together make a make a connection with a group of people learn a new skill and then be like i made that i was part of that gives such kind of value and reward to people yeah yeah absolutely okay we're going to wander off now are we do that yeah we're going to wander off and we uh, are going back in time so we're starting at butzer's most modern dwelling which is saxon and we're going back in time to when the romans were in charge Uh Uh (laughs) what sort of period was that like in complete contrast to what we've just experienced so when the romans came and settled um they uh, they brought with them many good things. They often say, what did the Romans ever do for us? They brought many good things um, before we sort of pl- got plunged back into the Dark Ages, actually, or what the people term the Dark Ages after the Romans left. But the Romans brought with them a very different, what you'll see is a very different form of building. So they brought with us, we still had roundhouses. People were still living in roundhouses because that was what was, li- that was, what was there in the land. But they bought this kind of, certainly if you were a more distinguished member of society, you might have something akin to our Roman villa here. Um, And they were building techniques that were um, brought across from potentially warmer climes. So what you'll find when you go inside this house is it's a little bit chillier and not maybe necessarily quite as well suited to our our climate here. But it's a very different look, a very different feel. Well, it is, isn't it? We we wander around here. Mm. And just imagine we are going back in time, but it doesn't doesn't necessarily feel that way. Actually, it feels a little bit more modern Mm. in some ways, Mm. which we can relate to now in present-day houses. Yeah, exactly that. More akin to our... um, our, the way our houses currently look um, but they brought with lovely things we've got a lovely new Roman garden here lovely Very herb nice. garden yes. which is beautiful so in summer all the, the hops will be hanging from the vines and we're looking forward to that but um, inside our Roman villa yes. what we've recreated here um, is a festival that we know the Romans celebrated called Saturnalia Right. so it's when they honoured the the Saturn uh, this part of year and they they had a they had a greeting for the party which was yo Saturnalia uh, and there would be merriment and dancing and masters would become slaves and slaves would become masters um, and they would just have a, a wild time together for a few day, a good few days I think it was um, Caligulus uh, in his text called it the best of times it was just the perfect party for everyone at this There's time. There's a lot of, the of eating year. and drinking going on here. I'm noticing. There is a decent yeah. amount of that. I think in midwinter, in what people do need is a lot of a lot of Keep warm. feasting yeah. and fun. Um, so yeah, in here we've got our Romans having a, an all-day party, 
so we just invite people to have a little peek inside and imagine how it might have looked sort of catching the Romans at play as part of their Saturnalia celebrations. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, and they had a greeting for the the party, which was Yo Saturnalia, and they do think that Yo, which was sort of a bit like Yay, uh, became Yo 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 as part of your celebrations, which they think maybe somebody that wears a lot of red and white and brings us presents at this time of year, Yo 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 turned into Ho 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 and was maybe ah, adopted by someone that we're more familiar with. Indeed, indeed. Oh, okay. But the Romans gave us traditions like gift giving, like bringing uh, evergreens into your house, like making wreaths. All those things have come from the Saturnalia celebration of the Romans. So they've done this a lot of favours, really, haven't they? They have. The Romans did do a good few things for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, but they, they did. And, and some of the, the buildings, too, I mean, some still still survive to this day, don't they? Yeah, exactly that. There's a lot more that you can see still surviving from Roman villas, especially. So you've got wonderful things like um, hypercausts, which is underfloor heating. So in the this uh, right wing of our, our villa here, we've got a working hypercaust. So that was where the Romans would light a fire, and then the, the hot air would get taken up through the, the floor and the, the, the walls of the the building and they created central heating basically and the great thing about roman villas is that evidence is still there so when you see them excavated in in the wild you can still see the evidence of the underfloor hypercourse they were pioneers and weren't they in very many clever. many ways in many ways very uh, clever ways and ones i think but uh, okay where are we going to now well we're off let, to we're going lead the way. back in time yes. into the iron age we are whizzing through time here i, I feel like i'm in a, a time tunnel <laughs> And it's a bit like a time tunnel in some ways. It is. We do say it's our own personal time machine, which is lovely. Um, and so, yeah, we're going back into the Iron Age. It's my favourite time because okay. you get to cosy round a fire. Ah, fantastic. And this is quite important to you, really, in terms of going round in a, in a circle almost. It sort of does that, exactly, time tunnel, and goes through those different phases, really. Yeah, exactly that. So the way the site's built. Um, in fact, when you normally visit, so I'm taking you back in time for this midwinter yes. magical quest, but when you normally visit, we direct you to start in the Stone Age. So you right. normally are starting in the oldest point and then moving forward in time. And we really like the idea that, that you can see the progression uh, and we start right in the, in the Neolithic through to the Mesolithic. We've got Bronze Age dwelling and then you come into the Iron Age where we're just going back into now. And it's really important to us because we do a lot of education here. So during the week and during the term times, we have a lot of schools visiting who are learning about these different time periods. And what's really important is the children to be able to actually put themselves in that position and imagine themselves in that time and really set themselves in the period. So the timeline is especially useful for our educational groups. We bring local yeah. schools on site. It's very smoky here, I've got to say, isn't it? Oh, that <laughs> smell of wood smoke. Isn't it? Just. You always go home with that lovely yeah. smell. Bonfire smell. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just about to enter the, the realm of winter wishes. Yeah. So this uh, place here is where we're inviting people inside our greatest roundhouse, the great roundhouse. It's called Little Woodbury, ironically. Mm. Although it's our largest one, it's called Little Woodbury. Uh, but it's called Little Woodbury, Little Woodbury based on the place that it was originally excavated. Um, and in here for this quest, we are inviting people to make corn dollies. So these endangered heritage crafts we talked about, corn dolly making is one of them. Um, and the visitors are sitting around the fire together making corn dolly hearts that they can take home and hang up to remind them of the courage that the dear queen, who we've yet to meet, needs in her heart to um, 
make her quest to go and bring back the sun to warm the lands. Right, okay. There's also some wishing trees, so yes. uh, families are, are welcome to write wishes. Uh, and on the winter solstice, we will burn the trees uh, to release the wishes into the ether. Right. So <laughs> it's like a process, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. just again, it's as you go around, there's little uh, trail markers just telling you about different parts of um, ancient folklore. So things about why the spruce was important, the Yule log. We had a piece back over there about um, the uh, the folklore that speaks of the Arctic fox, that they believe it was a fox that jumped through the sky and created the Aurora Borealis at this time of year. So throughout the, the, the whole trail, there's little bits of... Um, mythology and folklore just to remind us of what our ancestors might have believed yeah, okay very <laughs> clever stuff isn't it very clever stuff right <laughs> so take us then where are we going now then Kristen? so so, so we've got, what we've done through the quest is people will have been collecting magical powers for the dear yeah. queen so there's a little magical map that they they can go and um, right this is great for kids as you said earlier, exactly isn't it? that yeah it's giving them that kind of imagination and i've just spotted actually so we're off to the deer queen's grotto right so it's the deer queen so there's a piece of folklore uh that a story that was told and has been retold and retold and retold over the years that at the depths of winter the great bear that lived in the forest said to all the woodland creatures who will be brave enough to bring the sun back to the land to bring the warmth back to the land to return to return us to the season of of of, of summer uh, and Mother Deer came forward and said, I will, I will go uh, because my antlers are strong and I can carry the sun back in my antlers to bring back the land, to bring back the, the, the lush green that we need to, to survive for the year. So the Deer Mother goes off uh, in search of the sun and she has this big quest that she has to go on to bring the sun back to the land. And it's been told by ancient cultures sort of, and retold and adapted and changed. And it's because we believe Northern European... Um, tribes really revered the deer this time of year because the deer gave them uh, meat and fur and um, there's a great piece of knowledge that both male and female reindeers have antlers there's no distinction unlike other types of deer where the it's the males that have the, the antlers both males and females have antlers right and uh, after rutting season the reindeers the male reindeers lose their antlers yep but the female reindeer keeps her antlers to protect her young in the spring. Right. So when you see Rudolph depicted on all the Christmas cards that we have with antlers, the only reindeer that would have antlers this time of year it would be a female. So Rudolph is a girl, ah. which is a lovely little bit of knowledge. Yeah. And so this is why our deer queen's here, because northern tribes would have revered the deer and, and worshipped the deer for the, the food and the warmth and the the new calves that we'll be bringing in the spring. And that's why we think our ancestors passed this story down about the, the deer queen or the mother deer bringing back the sun. And that's who we've got here, is our final character in the deer queen's grotto. Um, slightly bigger than where we were before. Slightly bigger. So we're back in the Stone Age now. Right, okay. And this is a Stone Age longhouse. So instead of a roundhouse, we've got a longhouse. Right. It's, a very, it's quite an unusual dwelling because of the size of it. Because this is, we're, we're going back, very far now uh, and uh, we often believe that people just lived in huts or caves or yeah uh, but actually what the archaeology shows us is that there were actually quite sophisticated dwellings being made in the stone age and this is one of them this is called the horton house um and it's quite it's quite incredible do you want to come inside let's go inside yeah how long has this actually been here on, on the site oh gosh um the horton was uh built i think about five years ago okay so this is a fairly new 
This is a fairly new structure, the yeah. oldest structure on the house. Um, the little Woodbury, the great roundhouse we just saw, has been around for about 20 years. Right, okay. Um, but have you ever heard the phrase of Trigger's broom? No. So in Only Fools and Horses, uh, Trigger has a broom. And yes. he says, I've had this broom all of my life. It's only had five new handles, ten new heads. Oh, yes, and I have. Now you say that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the ha- all these houses are a bit like Trigger's broom and that it, it may have stood on this land for 20 years, but we might have replaced all of the uprights. We've replaced the thatch. We replaced bit by bit just to keep that house alive. And we believe that's what our ancestors would have done as well. Right, OK. See, it's fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> they were very, very clever people, very clever, I think. Uh, so we're gonna, just going to go underneath here. Right, OK, so if you can just describe what we've got here. Yeah, of course. So we're in the Dear Queen's Grotto. Um, and she's getting ready for her quest to bring back the, the, the light to the land. And people in here are well uh, invited to make beeswax candles to represent the light and the warmth of the sun uh, so they can take those home with them to remind them that summer will be coming back at some time in the See, future. It is brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And there's so much detail as well and, and, and all this. I noticed outside also you've got a project that's currently in progress. Yeah, that's very exciting. So... This base, um, this house here, we believe stood around um, 2,800 BC, um, and the, the house across the way is from a site called Wyke Down. Um, and what we've got at Wyke Down is a lot more complete evidence. So here we had just mainly post holes. So we've the rest we've sort of imagined what it might have looked like. Wyke Down, there's actually quite a lot of um, evidence preserved of. Um, amazing things like uh, patterns and artwork on the walls and things that will enable us to have a lot more of a um, a better idea of how yeah. exactly it might have looked. So we'll be doing less guessing for this build. Yeah. So we're hoping by midsummer, again, depending on volunteers and how, how many hands we can get to make this work, uh, we're hoping that we'll have that new structure standing. And we think it might have been quite a ceremonial place. So this would have been quite a a sort of a standard dwelling, whereas our white down house, we're thinking, can be, have been quite a special, ceremonial, quite heavily decorated house. So we're very excited about bringing that one to life. Yeah, is that the final piece in, the, in this big jigsaw? Oh, for now. <laughs> oh, ever expanding. We never, we never stop. We never stop because also the houses do have a lifespan. So we will be yeah. replacing other houses, um, and there has been rumours of potentially expanding ourselves into Viking times and in the future maybe getting a Viking longhouse, so expanding the timeline in the other direction. It doesn't stand still, does it? It never stands still. You doesn't can't stand still. It stands, <laughs> you can't stand still at all, absolutely. We touched on volunteers earlier, mm. uh, like any organisation. The many organisations that we've spoken to always need volunteers and things like that. What about here? Because uh, what sort of skills you you look for anyone in particular? Or? We are always just welcome to have anyone that's happy to give their time and, and, and be part of what we do here. Like I said before, if, if people come with skills, that's amazing. But we also are very, very open to people that just want to come here and learn new skills as well. But yeah, but volunteers are absolutely the lifeblood. And of any age? And any age. There's, there's no, well, as adult, any age. Indeed. From yeah. adult all the way up. Um, and yeah, because we're a not-for-profit organization we're a community interest company we rely so heavily on people coming to our events and experiencing and and coming to visit but also then being part of what we do the volunteers are are what help us to to carry on doing the great work that we're doing here and what about the opening times for people to come and see you generally when can they come so we are open for general admission all the summer and school holidays so our first general admission opening will be next february half term 
Um, but between then, we've got plenty of special events on. So we're open for the whole of December for this Midwinter's Magical Quest. And then we've got some special events in January and February. We're doing a wassail. We're celebrating in bulk. Uh, we've got some sea shanties coming up later on in the year. Um, all building up to like our big Beltane Festival that comes at the arrival of summer. Wow. Action-packed. That's what we like is. to say, Kristen. It is. It keeps yeah. us busy. Does it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you must enjoy it. As you said, you've only been here a year. But mm. uh, I guess you're learning yourself, though, aren't you? That every every day here is like we do do the education, but literally every day here is a school day, and that's not just saying it as a cliche. There are so many amazing, talented, knowledgeable people here. Every person you talk to or interact with here at Butser, you learn something new, be it a knowledge, be it a skill, be it anything. It's constantly you are constantly growing and learning and finding new passions. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes it exciting and not just a general job as well. Yeah, it's definitely, from yeah. everyone here, it's more than just a job. It's Fantastic. quite a special place. We can find you off the A3, can't we? Yeah, that's exactly right. Just off and I have A3. to say, you're quite easy to find because at some places you could go around in circles, but for you, actually, it's signed quite well. Just a quick jump off the A3 and you're, and you're here. You've got our sign, our brown sign, but Follow the signs, yeah, yeah, and uh, it's quite easy to find, so no excuse, really. And it is sad because, you know, you see these things, don't you, in your local area and you just take it for granted. And I've spoken to many guests, and we're all exactly this. So I put my hand up, mm. and you don't come to to what's on your doorstep and you should yeah and that's such a missed opportunity and it's always amazing seeing people when they say I've lived down the road for 20 years I've never managed to make it here yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and then their face when they get to walk around the site and see what's here and they can't quite believe the amount that is here to explore yeah brilliant stuff Kristen thank you for your time thanks oh, for letting us come around and have a look and just give people a flavour what uh, Bats Ancient Farm is all about that's perfect you're very all right. welcome thank anytime. you very much indeed and we'll chat again soon I'm sure but uh, for now thanks for coming on the show thank, thank you, you Kristen Merry Midwinter thank you <laughs>